and the Oscar for Best Podcast Crossover involving two baseball podcasters goes to your pal Sully and Miller Thomas for Locked On MLB and Locked On Diamondbacks. Let's see the clip. You are Locked On MLB. Your daily MLB podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. baseball fans and welcome to one of my favorite nights of all the year although you're listening to this after it happened this is locked on MLB locked on Diamondbacks crossover we're recording this on the 12th day of March as we called it back in my native New England match of 2023 I am your host Paul Francis Sullivan please call me Sully I am an Emmy nominated I never won an Emmy-nominated television producer, and I have been a baseball podcaster for well over a decade. I've been about to begin my fifth full season here at the Lockdown Podcast Network, where it is your team every day. I've never been nominated for an Oscar. I could have. There were two separate years I did something that would have been Oscar eligible. Do you know what? They they snubbed me, Millard. They snubbed me. And who am I? Oh, by the way, follows the Lockdown MLB pods on twitter and instagram i'm your pal simon slot base one twitter slot base one podcast and instagram you probably know that already and you also know who's right over here my fellow nominee miller thomas how you doing buddy doing good sounds like we're taking home some awards this season i'm feeling good i never got to give a victory speech before so we might have to save that for the end of the podcast but before we get there please follow me on twitter at creator thomas 24 for my personal account look up locked on dimebacks both twitter instagram for the podcast handle and please hit subscribe to the award-winning youtube channel locked on diamondbacks by the way just for those of you who don't know i am I could very easily host Locked On Oscars. I've been an yeah. Oscar nut my whole life, and and I've kind of I like that they've they've rescheduled it to uh, March this year because there used to be a nice ebb and flow of my obsessions. That the baseball season starts would start at the end of March, beginning of April, and would go until October, and usually around November was when the studios started throwing all their big Oscar contenders in the screen, so they wanted them fresh yeah. in your mind. So November and December used to be Oscar season. It, everything's changed now because things are on streaming services and everything like that, so you didn't have that rush of Oscar films uh, between November and December, and, and then I would get super into the Oscars. The Oscars would come out in mid-March, and then we'd go right into the baseball season. There was a nice ebb and flow um that has been ruined by netflix and amazon and ever and and films coming out there but do you know what I, I i still get into the oscars i have my little oscar scorecard here Ooh. of all the films i've seen all 10 best picture nominees um and you know what i'm going to say that this year's crop of best picture where i'm bringing it back to baseball kind of reminded me of this year's world series mm. between the phillies and the astros it was a good world series it had a couple of really big – the first game one, which is that wild back-and-forth game with a sliding catch in the the uh, the bottom of the ninth and JT Real Muto hitting those home runs and everything like that. That was fun. That was a good game. You had the combined no-hitter, which was weird but still interesting. 
And then you had the Alvarez home run and the clincher. So there was a lot of good moments, but I don't think anyone would call last year's World Series a classic World Series. You know, mm-hmm. No one would say it's a great World Series. It was good. It was enjoyable. And I'm looking up and down at the best picture category and everything, and there were a lot of good movies. That was good. But there's not that one that sort of made me go, oh, man, just sort of really just stood out as a really, really great film of that bunch. But to be fair, kind of like the Hall of Fame vote, again, I'm trying to bring back to baseball, maybe we should have our Oscar votes like five years later. We see what films survive, what films, you know, because a lot of times you see like this film that you totally forgot about one best picture and these other movies that you really loved were the ones that survived the one we talked about. So it's, and maybe we'll look back at this world series and see, Oh, that was really memorable. This or that, or maybe that's how we judge our hall of famers because we got, got to give it a little bit of time to let it incubate. But uh, we're recording this before the start of the Oscars. So I don't know who won what, um, all I want, I want K. Hui Kwan, AKA short round in Indiana Jones, the temple of doom. I want him to win. Cause I want short round to win an Oscar before Indiana Jones. Um, and, uh, I, oh. and we're bouncing around the, the videos blinking a little bit here so that we may, we may be going into the multiverse of everything everywhere all at once. If we start having the googly eyes. That's what we know. But there you go. Do you see any of the movies there? Uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once is the movie that I've seen. I probably saw it at least five times. I saw it Isn't it great? Twice. Isn't I it great? It. Yeah, I think, was... yeah, to bring it to the baseball reference, I think it might be the Houston Astros of this season. I think it might just run through all the awards and just completely sweep everything because I think it's like you go on FanDuel, it's like the overwhelming favorite to win basically every award. Yeah, I hope, I, I hope it wins a bunch. I hope it wins a bunch. But, hey – um. I want to bring up one other little thing because there's a big piece of baseball news that is that that uh, involves the Diamondbacks, and we're going to talk about that mainly in se- in segments two and three. Uh, so just you know, be patient right there because it's not just a Diamondback discussion. I think it's an overarching discussion of something that's happening in baseball that I think is positive. This is a positive day. Uh, the WBC is going on. Israel just beat Nicaragua. Um, that's interesting. Um, you know, I mean, there's elements of the, the World Baseball Classic that seem to be a lot of fun. Uh, by the way, who designed Great Britain's away uniforms? Uh, they, they might as well have gone to the mall and got an iron on. It was the no effort was made. That was made in Microsoft Paint, Sully. I, I, I know it was, it was it was just not even Photoshop, you know, just sort mm-hmm. of like throw something on there. I know. Great Britain is not going to be as flamboyant as some of our other countries, but you know, let's. Uh, that's why let's, they lost the war. That's why they lost the war, Sully. Well, that's uh, uh, my my ring light just went out. Maybe there's that was the that was the queen shutting it down. Maybe they're still in mourning. I don't know, but come on, throw a little color on there. Yeah, all the budget went to the funeral. They didn't have enough money to pay their designers. Well, you know, you saw like when the Who or Austin Powers would have that Union Jack jacket that they'd be wearing have them come out looking like that come on the swing in london look i don't know but um you know there you see some of the fans that i love the the you know the way that 
you know, some of the fans are doing their cheerleading and having their, their everything going on there. There is an element to the WBC that, you know, of the, I guess the idealistic version of me wants to see a team from a country, an unlikely country win. But the problem is like, unlike the Olympics, when you see an Olympic team, you know, those people are born and raised in that country. You're not going to have anyone, you know, I mean, I mean, it's going to be people who are proud of their country winning, you know, trying to play there. And there's sometimes a little bit of playing games uh, at the, um, at the world baseball classic, for example, team Italy won mm-hmm. and is advancing. And i immediately, I thought, Whoa, as someone who is, I have an Irish name, but I look exactly like my Italian grandfather. I'm Irish and Italian in descent. And I'm like, Italy, come on. I want to see Italy become a baseball powerhouse. And then I saw that Matt Harvey led team Italy to, and this, wait a minute, Matt Harvey, the dude who used to pitch for the Mets mm-hmm. is on team Batman, Italy. Dark Knight. And then you look at the Italy roster, Vincenzo Aiello, born in America, Glenn Albanese Jr., born in America. Joe Benny, born in America. Ryan Castellini, born in America. I mean, up and down, most of this team are, you know, are Italian-Americans mm-hmm. and not from Italy. And basically, take a look. Like, who's on the American team? Oh, boy, I don't have a shot, but I could play Team Italy. Um, you know, there's a couple of players who are there from Italy, but, you know, it's that's... I don't know. It was a little disappointing to me when I saw, like, oh, this is basically an American minor league team. Yeah. You know, whose who's players end with a vowel. That's kind of how it's been, too, with, like, the Olympic basketball team. It's kind of like the one-drop rule. If you have, like, a parent that's, like, from another country or, like, any of your ancestors have been from that place, like, they don't care. They pretty much open up all rules and regulations where you could play for any country as long as you got the one-drop rule. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, that's – it just it doesn't go with the spirit of it. But I'll tell you who, what does go with the spirit of it. All right. There, there is a um, uh, a right-handed pitcher. Uh, he's a young pitcher who is actually uh, – he's, he's just about my son's age, which is amazing because how old I am. And his name is Alessandro Ercolani. And I, he is on the Italian team. And he is not from America nor Brazil, nor the Dominican Republic. There's a couple of Brazil and Dominican Republic. But here's what fascinates me about him, because he is in, he is currently in the um, the Pittsburgh Pirates organization. He pitched, uh, he actually pitched well in the Florida Coast League uh, last year. He had a 1.19 ERA in 10 games. You know, it's a short, it's a short uh, rookie league, uh, you know, as a, as a teenager, Throwing to a 1.19 ERA in a professional league. I don't care who's playing. Um, that's pretty good. A little too many walks, but he struck out 39 in 30 in the third innings. Here's what I find fascinating about him. He was he also was not born in Italy. Okay. He was born in San Marino. Do you know where San Marino is? California. No, it's it, on the Italian boot. Oh, and the in the Italian boot, you know the uh, the mm-hmm. the peninsula is shaped like a boot. There's actually three countries in that boot. The main one is Italy, okay, obviously, 
Then there's Vatican City, which is there for reasons we won't get into. It's its own separate country, so the Pope has his own country. doesn't have to deal with it. But Italy used to be made up of all of these, these city-states. We're talking way back in Romeo and Juliet time. And like, you know, Verona was its own city-state. Venice was its own city-state. And San Marino was. And when they all unified to become the Italian Republic, San Marino said, we're good. We're staying our own country. We're not part of Italy. Yet, we have our own rules. And guess what they have there? A kick-ass racetrack. Formula One racetrack right F1? there. one It's kind of like Monte Carlo. It's like this big, glamorous little Italian city. Like, oh, by the way, we're our own country. We got our own government. It's about the size of Tucson. But it's its own country. And... Alessandro Ercolani is a native of San Marino and pitched on the San Marino team and is now representing Team Italy because I think he would be, if San Marino tried to put together a team, it would be Alessandro Ercolani and his next-door neighbor. But here's why I'm rooting for Alessandro Ercolani. A, no nickname on that guy. Do you know why? Because if your name is Alessandro Ercolani, guess what? You're, that's what you're going to be called. But I want him to go skyrocketing through the pirate system. Right. I want him to make the major leagues. I want him to be the guy to put San Marino on the map and pitch his way to the major leagues. And he's in the World Baseball Classic because of Italy, and I guess it's because they, he'll join Italy in this case. But I, I'm going to keep my eye on you, Alessandro Ercolani. Because I want you to come up. I want you to pitch for the Pirates. The four or 500 people living in San Marino. How, how many people live in San Marino? i got to find that out. i got to find out how many people live there. But I want him to do that, to make them proud. Make them proud. And if nothing else, San Marino, a uh, country in Europe, if nothing else, I want him to make people. When I said San Marino, you just went whoop. No idea what that was. No, nope. it is a country in Europe, and there you go. It's a mountainous microstate surrounded by North Central Italy. It's one of the world's oldest republics. Some of the uh, great architecture, population, population, thirty-three thousand. Wow, that's a mediocre crowd at Dodger Stadium. But here we go. Yeah, I play this game at work called Wordle, not Wordle, but Wordle. They gave you like a little country outline, and you have to guess where it is in the world. My yep. first guess for now on, I'm putting San Marino to see San if Marino every time. Every and looking time. at the pirate system real quick, top thirty prospects, Alessandro's not in here, so we're we're sh we're showing some love. We're we're he's ahead 18. of the scouts on this he's, one. He's 18 years old, rookie league, pitching his heart out for Team Italy. Let's go, let's go, and let me just tell you something. Look at I I I don't have him down as the top prospect in baseball, oh. but I think he is going to be just give the Pirates a little boost of energy oh. when he makes it up there. And if you need a boost of energy, guess where you got to go? Got to go to a built bar. The built March Madness bracket is here, and you know you have a favorite bar. Do you? Who's your favorite bar? I love the little brownie batter, or maybe a cookies and cream. Yeah, they're really good. I love the pu the puffs are pretty good. Mm. I, you know, I love the raspberry, the mint chip. Uh, 
Now, here's your time to make a count. Go to BuiltMarchMadness.com to vote for your favorites. I'm going to be voting for Raspberry. If it's on there, I'm going to put it in there. But if you want the, you know, but if, if you want to have your bar win, that's mm-hmm. where you go to, to BuiltMarchMadness.com. And when you vote for your favorite bar or puff, you'll be entered into a drawing where 50 Lucky Locked On listeners will get a free box of Built Bar, not valid in San Marino. Not only that, but one Locked On fan will win a 12-month subscription to Built to have Built's best bars or puffs delivered monthly straight to your door. You got to try Built. Built is the best protein bar ever, ever, ever. You don't believe me? Why would I lie to you? Seriously, they're so amazing. You won't think they're good for you. What makes Built Bars and Puffs so good? For stars, they're all high on protein, low in sugar, and covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. So run to BuiltMarchMadness.com right now to vote for your favorite bar or puff and pick up a box while you're there. You can vote every day in March, so hop in and support your pick. That's right. Go to BuiltMarchMadness.com, and when you're there, sing the song, Built Bars! Vote for them. Mm. Hey, we're here with Millard Thomas. Welcome yeah. to Locked on San Marino. Um, I got to just sort of say, you know, you and I have been doing these crossovers for about a year or so. And sometimes we talk about the uh, uh, Diamondbacks. Sometimes we don't. But there's a real honest to goodness reason to talk D-backs. Yes. And I'm going to I'm going to hand the. I'm going to hand the reins over to you. For those of you who have, have been just so hooked on Israel versus Nicaragua in the World Baseball Classic, uh, fill in, people, what's going on? Why am I bringing the D-backs up right now? That's because the D-backs are the top headline in Major League Baseball right now, which we don't get to say often because they just came to a record-breaking extension with Corbin Carroll because he is the first player in Major League history with less than 100 days of Major League service time to sign a nine-figure deal. That is Corbin Carroll, the number two prospect in all baseball, according to MLB.com, and according to FanDuel, the unanimous favorite to win the NL Rookie of the Year. Now, for Corbin Carroll and the D-backs, this is a great extension, I believe, because for the D-backs, you get to lock up the best prime years of Corbin Carroll. This is someone that's a speedster, an elite athlete, and he's someone that's probably going to slow down as he enters his late 30s because he's currently the fastest player in baseball, but he can't be the fastest player in baseball until he's 37 years old. So for the D-backs, he's currently 22 years old, and you're paying him for his peak years, ages 22 to about 31. You're paying for the best years of Corbin Carroll, and it could be a complete value bargain if Corbin Carroll hits his ceiling. You're going to pay him between 14 and 18 19 million dollars annually for a guy that could be an all-star plus potential guy that's what we project him out to be that's his caliber his ceiling and for Corbin Carroll you get this built-in security right if you are super good and you are good right away they don't have to go through those arbitration years where you're super undervalued and you know if you get hurt you're not making that long-term money you get the security if you're Corbin Carroll you get your money up front and maybe over the long term of the deal maybe It's a little bit undervalued annually, but you're probably not making that much money on the front end of it, at least. Mm -hmm. You're just probably getting a little bit less money on the back end. But for both sides, you lock in your superstar of the future for the foreseeable future. Only him and Kevta Marte are like on the books past 2025. So the D-backs locking up a bunch of their core dudes 
all of them on really good contracts. Ketel Marte is only making about $15 million a year annually as well. And I just love this for the D-backs fans. Of course, there's still some risk built in because, like I said, Corbin Carroll has only played 32 major league games in his career. So there's still a world where he's not maybe the guy that we expected him to be. But I don't see how Corbin Carroll is not at least a solid major league player. I don't think he could be the fastest player in baseball. I don't think he could be one of the best defensive players of baseball. I don't think he could have the hit tools that he has and not at least be like a 290 contact hitter that steals 30 bases every year. I don't think there's a world where Corbin Carroll is not at least a solid major league player. And still paying that dude $50 million a year, I think this is a steal for the D-backs. Corbin Carroll gets his money, and I think D-backs fans everywhere should rejoice. I think, yeah, you hit a couple of points. First of all, for him, he's getting – he gets to be a millionaire up front. Yeah, the, right the now. D-back, the D-backs have no obligation to make him a millionaire right now. Mm-mm. None. And so when you're going through, he's, what, 22, 23 years old, and yep. you look up and say, hey, you're a millionaire. Your your dream of being – you know, it's, it's not a situation where we're going to look up and say – we're not doing that horrible dance – where it's like, well, it turns out he has to go to the minor leagues until May 1st because he needs a, just a little more season on the chicken bone there. No, they're coming right out and they're saying, we're, we're, you know, we believe in you. And so he's getting paid ahead of time. And this is mm-hmm. and the point you're making, and I think it's a great one, is that, yeah, it, the, the risk is he could become, you know, a, a Bryce Harper level player. And it would be worth $20, $30 million on the open market. Mm-hmm. Sure. The other risk is, and he knows this, he could bomb. He could get yeah. hurt. He could slump. I mean, we've seen players who come up and have great starts or look really terrific that don't quite work out. And he knows that if that happens, he's getting paid. And so there's that risk for the Diamondbacks. And the risk-reward is... Oh, but if he turns out to be a superstar, we don't have to dismantle the freaking team. And so, I, what? And and the, the other great point you're making here, and I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about this on a much larger scale because I think the Diamondbacks are showing they're learning from another franchise right now. But I'll, I'll, we'll stick specifically to D-backs right now before we get to the larger philosophy. We saw that the Diamondbacks had developed a homegrown MVP caliber player in Goldschmidt. And yep. saw that explode in their face where they had to trade him off to St. Louis. All right. D-back fans know that, all right, where the team is at least trying to put together a foundation. Yep. And not a quick fix foundation, not a, a reckless, oh, we're going to go and try to sign this player or that player when they're not ready. No. You know Marte is going to be a very good player for the next bunch of years. And you also know that um, – uh, um, Carol has all I'm sorry it took me a second it, yeah. you know Carol has all of the tools to be a potential all-star and so you know that if you're you know if you're trying to create a foundation you know that some of the supporting pieces are going to change no matter who you are but you got to have that core in there and so right now they're telling their fans hey when we're developing a player it's not to farm them out it's not to send them off for you know for parts and so for the Diamondback fans, they must feel that there's something positive about that. For the Diamondbacks themselves, for the team themselves, to look up and say, oh, we're actually going to try to do something. Instead of, there, it must be just an incredible amount of 
disappointment when you go to a year go like, we're going to stink this year, aren't we? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anybody who's good is going to get shipped off. Okay, here we go. Play ball. Yay. You know, especially when you're in a division where, you know, for so long, San Francisco was so good and Los Angeles has been so great over the last decade and a half. And San Diego is trying to put together to come on and say, hey, hey, there are three wildcard spots. Why not us? And someone told me, I don't know if you know this, I looked this up. For a period of time, the Diamondbacks actually passed the Giants in the state. Oh, yeah. Did someone tell you that? Yeah. I think um for this deal, I think it I, I think it covers both the risk and the upside of Corbin Carroll because I was kind of nervous about giving Corbin Carroll an extension just because he's had such a small sample size on the major league level. So I was kind of nervous about what the number was going to be. Was it going to be like a Wander Franco, Julio Rodriguez type deal where you get 20, 20, 20, where you get like 20 to 25 million a year? I thought that would have been way too much for Corbin Carroll considering what we've already seen from him. Of course, I think he could be a player that's worth 20. 20 to 25 million but from the sample size that we saw i thought that would have been too much money if we gave him that money up front right now i would have wanted to see a full season a major league service time from corbin carroll before we gave him that kind of deal but i think the value that we gave him just fits everything perfectly because you don't give him too much money you're not breaking the bank with corbin carroll but at the same time if he is someone that turns into a superstar type player, you're getting him on a major value, on a major bargain of a deal. And you're just taking away all worries and doubts from D-backs fans. You don't have to think about, are we going to have to do this arbitration dance every season? Or are we going to somehow build a riff with Court McCarroll? Because when you go into those arbitration hearings, those teams have to lay out all the reasons why this player shouldn't be paid. And players say it's not personal, it's just business. But it's hard to not get emotional when you hear that your team ripping you down in these negotiations to not get you paid so you get to take away all that with Corbin Carroll you get to lock him in with security and you know he's going to be here for the next eight years no worries about his contract or extension or anything like that breaking the bank for Corbin Carroll you know what he's going to be you know he's going to be here and that's why it's such a satisfying feeling and think about what that means when you know as I said you're getting rich quicker you may get more rich later or you may not it's kind of the, you know, I've made the analogy. It's a deal or no deal. You open up that suitcase and all right, that's not the biggest value, but it's also not a $2 bill. You know, it's, it's, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're going to walk away with, you know, more money than you can ever spend in your life. But also, I mean, think about what you just said there. We mentioned this a little bit with, when we talked about um, San Diego, again, we're going to talk about this specifically uh, in, in segment three, but you circumvent the nastiness of the arbitration. You yeah. circumvent what that does, the, that you, by definition, you have to have an antagonistic relationship with ownership. Let's do away with that. I don't like arbitration. Well, it's so disgusting. Well, well here's the deal. Um, and again, this is it's not going to go a super long history lesson from your pal Sully, but arbitration was necessary before free agency. Because everyone could just – players couldn't go to free agency. They were they were the reserve clause. The team could just renew their contract. And they also didn't know what other players were making. So the A's could sign a player for this amount of money. The Yankees or the Red Sox could sign for this amount of money. They wouldn't know what it was, and there was no – any level of uniformity to what – you know, to what Vita Blue would make versus what Carl Yastrzemski would make. 
and this guy could win the MVP this year, and the owners would say, well, we'll give you a $500 raise. And this one wins the MVP, so we'll give you a $10,000 raise. There was nothing, there was no rhyme or reason. And because they couldn't go to the open market, this at least said, hey, you have to pay the guy at least what market value is to a degree. Now, I think when free agency came about, they should have done away with arbitration. That should have been part of it. They should have made free agency start earlier because then if someone makes a bad signing, you know, or overpays someone, suddenly that becomes, oh, hey, you, you, that 230 with 15 home runs, but this guy overpaid. So that's everyone with 230, 15 home runs comes to the arbitrary. Yep, that's what the market says. Um, it means that one person's mistake becomes everyone's mistake. But arbitration had a purpose. And I think that purpose has gone away in the advent of free agency. And that whole adversarial, you know, sometimes you want to, the players and the owners in baseball have had such acrimony over the years. And I wonder if you start removing some of the Jenga pieces of anger, like taking arbitration out. Like we don't, it's not part of the culture that when you start to play well, you have to sit in a room and listen to how you suck from the from the team. Mm-hmm. The Diamondbacks circumvented that here. And I would like to see more teams do that. But at least they're saying, we're going to put together a team and we're going to try our best to get along. We'll try our best to make this be a good place, a place that maybe you'd want to stay and maybe want to win. Yeah, and we think a major league service time, something that I would like maybe to see because when these players get drafted or whatever, they sign their four or five-year deals. Maybe we don't do arbitration once those deals are up. Within those four or five years when the player's in a minor league, that's their rookie contract. By the time they get called up, after that rookie contract ends, they enter free agency. So if you want to get the best years of a player when they're young and they're cheap, you have to call them up quicker. You sign that five-year deal as a rookie getting drafted, and then they spend two years in the minor leagues. Now if you call them up, you get three years where they're super young on this cheap contract, and then after that third year, there's no arbitration. They just enter free agency. If you want to bring them back, you could do that. Maybe you do some kind of incentive like it's football where it's like, Maybe do a franchise tag or basketball where it's restricted for agency, where it's easier to bring them back. But I don't like the idea of arbitration. And like you said, it's basically two sides facing off, which I don't like. In basketball and football, there's better ways to bring your player back where it's like guaranteed that they're not going to leave without you having to basically face off like this is a, you know, Captain America Civil War. And you got the two Avengers, Captain America and Iron Man going against each other. Saw that movie last night for like the fifth time. So it's on my mind right now. So just get away with arbitration and let's get a more harmonious relationship because this is why there's such bad blood between front offices and players because we guys still do stuff like this where you get them in a room and they have to yell at each other. It seems like such an antiquated system. I think there's a better way to get the best bang for your buck from these young players without having to break the bank long-term. And, and you know, the Diamondbacks are not the, the deepest pocket of the team. No. I mean, and so you got to, when you're making decisions for jobs on your team, you got to make smart decisions. Kind of like if you're a small business, now, these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates out there. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and free. And you can add your job on LinkedIn, put the purple hashtag hiring frame on your LinkedIn profile to spread the word 
that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs can help you find a qualified candidate you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash MLB. That's linkedin.com slash MLB to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. All right, we're here with the great Oscar-nominated Miller Thomas. Wait, you were nominated for which one? You were nominated for the Hurt Locker, I think, Best Supporting oh. Actor. I may, oh. I may have to, I may have to look that up. I may have my facts wrong on that. But um, it was a good movie, though. If you haven't seen it? Mm-mm, no, I haven't. Um, unfortunately, it's uh, uh, came out in 2010 about a guy in the Iraq War whose job it was. Jeremy Renner, who played Hawkeye. Okay, yeah. Uh, uh, plays a bomb diffuser um in the iraq war and it's uh it's kind of tense yeah it's i don't think tense. i want to be a war character i'd rather be like willie beeman in any given sunday i'd rather play what? a character like that now a little bit more beat you know by the way uh the uh jeremy renner in the hurt locker well, that one best picture that's the answer to a trivia question which is what's the first film to win best director that was directed by a woman. It was Catherine Bigelow, director of The Hurt Locker, mm. which was a kind of a very tense uh, war movie from the Iraq War. Catherine are we, Bigelow. Are we bringing back Locked On MLB trivia soon? Uh, we'll bring That's it back. That's our rumor. Bring it, back. bring it back. Well, yeah, I got I got a bunch of things for that. But um, and by the way, thanks for making Locked On MLB your first listen. Obviously, make Locked On Dimebacks your second listen. Check out Locked On Fantasy Baseball. For your third listen, you can win your league by listening to Matt and Dom every day as they bring you the best fantasy draft strategies. Find Locked On Fantasy Baseball wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube. And part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. Hey, Miller Thomas, let me just, on uh, the final segment here, tell you philosophically why I'm enjoying this. Okay. Um, The Padres. Now, they haven't won the World Series yet. Hell, they haven't gotten to the World Series since 1998. But they are putting together a superstar team. Love Some it. of the players are homegrown. Some of their players were acquired, but either way, uh, either way, they have with the signings of Bogarts, the signing of Machado, the signing of Tatis Jr. Looks like Hayter's going to be around for a while. They want to lock up Soto for the long term. Darvish. They, Darvish. They have put together a team where San Diego fans at least know the team is saying, hey, we're not New York, we're not Chicago, we're not Boston, we're not San Francisco, but we're going for it, and we're going for it for the next few years. So climb on board. One of these years, it's all going to click together, and you're going to love it. Arizona seems to be taking a little bit of that lesson to heart, that they're telling their fans, hey, we're going to keep our good players. And you know what? We're not saying we're going to win it every year. But one of these years, like an eclipse, everything will line up, kind of like how it eventually did for Washington, like how it did for Atlanta. And one of those years, if you stick with us, a player you will recognize, kind of like when Freddie Freeman was jumping up and winning, or kind of like when Steven Strasburg won the World Series MVP for Washington, someone you'll recognize is going to win. We're going to win a World Series title. So climb on board, and we're going to keep our good players. And we'll, you know, basically, if we want to have a good product on the field, we're going to have to spend some money. 
Mm-hmm. So let's we may spend some money earlier. Let's start putting this team together. And instead of being, oh, let's cut every corner and, oh, we can't do that. It's poor, poor Diamondbacks. We can't do anything. Cut, cutting out clip on, you know, you know, coupons there. Like, oh, we're going to go to Ralph's, you know. No. They're saying we're going to try to put a product on the field. And the Diamondbacks, I think, are learning the San Diego lesson because there was a, uh, a, a thing I saw on Twitter which was the Padres have to deal with the fact that their um, uh, season ticket requests are going off the charts right now. They're selling tickets like crazy. San Diego's like, we're in, show us, show us. And guess what? There's going to be, if they do this right, the park in Phoenix, which I almost called the Bob, is going to be so filled, there's going to be, they'll, they'll, the, the swimming pool will be packed. So I, I want to see more teams take this mindset of, okay, if we're going to be good, let's keep our good players. Let's put a product on the field. It's entertainment. Damn it. Yeah. It's summer entertainment. Like Jaws, like Star Wars was when I was a kid. Also baseball. And it's a it's the perfect sport for the internet age. Get those stars on there. Don't have an antagonistic relationship with them and keep them together so the fans can get to know them. So good on the Diamondbacks for at least taking the steps of putting a good, fun product on the field and telling their fans, guess what, folks? You can buy those uniforms. We're not going to, you don't have to burn them anytime soon. This guy's not going to be traded to to, uh, uh, St. Louis anytime soon. Yeah, and for the quote-unquote small market teams, this is the way to circumvent the idea of we have Manny Machado here for all these years. He's gone through the arbitration process, but now it's like, do we want to pay this guy $300 million? Can we afford that? Guess what? You pay that guy $150 million eight years earlier, and then you don't have to worry about that, and you still get all the prime years. That's what the D-backs are doing here. If you want to compete with the Padres of the world, you're going to need star talent, and the way to get that is for the D-backs is through homegrown, through the system, and if you want to keep those players, because the D-backs are kind of showed you they're not going to go out there and keep the guys like Paul Goldschmidt, right? He was a homegrown player. He was an MVP. He was an MVP-type player, face of the franchise, but they let his contract get way too far down the line and they weren't going to pay him the exorbitant money that he was owed and what he was worth. And he was a guy going to enter his early thirties and the D backs didn't want to pay him that amount of money for a team that they felt like wasn't going to win a world series in the near future. But when you look at the way the D backs are building it now, you're going to get your all-star level players. You know, it's a little bit of a risk because you're betting on these guys way early, but if these guys hit, then you're getting all these guys for super value contracts. And that's the way you keep the talent in the building. You're paying them under 20 million, 15, 16 to get that all-star level player in the building, keeping him long-term. But also not breaking the bank at the same time because we know teams like the D-backs are going to are, are going to make the claims that they're poor and they don't have the money and they can't go out there and spend like the Padres and the Dodgers of the world. They're not going to drop the bags on these 25 to $30 million players. So it's easier for them when they think they have one of those players in the building before they even pop, when they have that little diamond in the rough, they just see the little shine of the diamond. They haven't even dug it out the mine yet. They haven't even done, done the digging yet. They haven't done the polishing yet. Yeah. They haven't blown it off yet. While it's still just a little flash of diamond. They said, you know what? We know this diamond is going to be worth 30 million. So let's pay him 15 million right now for a long-term deal and lock him up. So we don't have to do, 
deal with it, you know, down the road. Because we've seen other teams do this. The White Sox locked up Eloy Jimenez and Luis Roberts, who really cheap deals early. The Braves have been doing it with the Ronald Acuna Bra- of the world. Braves, and the do, it, Braves do it better than anybody. Yeah. Bra- Braves have the formula down. You know the Braves are going to be really good for the rest of this decade, and there's going to be a lot of people you recognize on that squad. And they, I, they'll probably win another pennant along the way. So I think that's the model of what the D-backs are going off of. You that's look at crazy. the Braves. Yeah, Ronald Cunha, he signed a $100 million deal early before he really even popped. They've done it with Michael Harris. They just did it with Austin Riley. Like, I love what the Braves are doing. I think the D-backs are following in that path of locking up these dudes who you think could be future superstars early in their careers before they break the bank down the line. And look, at I liked Moneyball, which was an Oscar-nominated film about Loved 10 it. years ago. Maybe you won my yeah, top five. I love that movie. And yeah, when the Rays do their thing, it's like, wow, I don't even know how they do it. But you know what? As a fan, seeing that revolving door of people, like part of being a fan is getting attached to a player. Mm-hmm. And I know plenty of A's fans. I know many, many A's fans. And I know my share of Rays fans as well who love their team. But they do get a little crestfallen, like, oh, I liked him. I was hoping he'd stick around. Oh, yeah. I liked, I liked Olsen. Oh, I, oh, we lost Murphy? Okay. No, because in the back of my mind as a D-backs fan, knowing Corbin Carroll's and the Drew Jones and the Jordan Lawlers are coming up, in the back of my mind I am thinking, are these guys going to hit their ceiling, look like future MVPs, and then walk in free agency. Is that going to be the ultimate destiny? Once all these guys are actually good at the same time and all hitting their stride, are we only going to have one, two, or three-year window of all that before they all try to sign $25, $30 million contracts in free agency? That was something that was always in the back of my mind as we saw this team grow and get better. But now, looking at the D-backs' new philosophy, it seems like we won't have to have those worries because of the Drew Jones and Jordan Lawler's flash enough early it seems like the d-backs will probably lock them up as well and that's what you want as a fan right you don't want these guys to hit their ceiling and then leave in free agency that's the worst thing that can happen to you so i'll rather pay these guys early take the risk take the gamble because i still think you could trade a corbin carroll even if he's not as good as the number two prospect in all baseball i still think someone would take the fastest player in baseball on a 15 million dollar contract so these guys are still assets even if they aren't as good as maybe we make them out to be when they're you know prospects well then eventually everything lines up and you win and you what do you say when you win you say i want to thank the members of the academy i want to thank everyone at universal and everything like that i you what i'd like to thank the members of the academy i'd like to thank millard thomas for being there this whole time thanks for collaborating with us i want to thank uh my family i want to and of course i want to thank the good people at LinkedIn jobs yeah. and at Bill Bar for making this possible. Miller Thomas, tell people where they can find you. Follow me on Twitter at creator Thomas24 for my personal account. Look up Lockdown Dimebacks on Twitter, Instagram for the podcast handle. We're approaching 400, 400 subscribers on YouTube. So please hit subscribe on the Lockdown Dimebacks YouTube channel. And follow us at Lockdown MLB Pods on Twitter and Instagram. I'm your pal Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. And check out uh, in a couple weeks, I'm working on you – know, there's going to have the in-memoriam video from the Oscars tonight. I'm working on the baseball in-memoriam that I do every year. I've done every year since 2014. And, uh, man, we just, we're just adding more and more names to it. Jesus Alou of the Alou brothers, may he rest in peace. We lost him over the weekend. And uh, uh, the, the Alou brothers – at one point, the, the Giants had Felipe, Jesus, and Matty Alou in the same outfield the Alou brothers and Maddie wound up winning his 
uh, World Series with the A's and later Jesus won with the A's. And Felipe was the manager of the Montreal Expos the year that they pulled the rug from them in 1994 when they had the best team in the National League, probably the best team in baseball. And then the strike hit and we never had baseball again. So baseball was never the same in Montreal after that. But rest in peace, uh, Jesus Alou. And I'm going to, the Oscars are going to start very soon. I got my tux on. I'm going the red Ooh. carpet. This has been Locked on MLB. Recording this on the 12th day of March. Well, we'll probably drop it on the 12th day of March, 2023. I'm Sully. That's Miller Thomas. For your consideration, a fist pump. Boom.